I made it difficult for my kids when uh, when growing up, especially in sports, right? Uh, we would go outside and we were playing basketball or we are in the basement, uh, they are playing football. The touchdown is the couch behind me, right? I never let them win. I don't care how big I was and how small they were, I was not going to let them win, right? They say, well, Dad, you got to let me. I said, no, no, because if, you, if I let you do it, you're going to expect everybody to let you do something. No, you have to earn it. That was Willard Reeves, former Grey Cup champion and most outstanding player award winner of the CFL and the father of current NHLer Ryan Reeves. And you are listening to the Up My Hockey podcast with Jason Padol. Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Padolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for 1,000. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hello there and welcome back or welcome to the Up My Hockey podcast with Jason Padolan. I am your host, Jason Padolan. And today for episode 109, we are going to be speaking with Willard Reeves. Uh, Willard Reeves is a podcast guest that I have much gratitude uh, in getting to meet. And that is all because of Michelle Garcia, who is my new teammate here at Up My Hockey, uh, has a bit of a personal relationship with Willard and uh, reached out to him and said, uh, we'd love to have you on as a guest. And, and Willard was gracious enough to say yes. And because of that, I was able to talk to a former professional football player who also happens to be the father of current 13-year NHLer, I believe it is now, Ryan Reeves. And uh, it was a fantastic conversation. Willard uh, is a public servant. Uh, has always uh, wanted from a young age to be in the police force, uh, which he did after he retired from professional football and winning a Grey Cup in 1984 uh, with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, also winning the Outstanding Player Award of the CFL. He went on to the NFL and played some games there. A very accomplished career. Uh, and then went into uh, public service with the uh, with the police force in Winnipeg, where he still calls home, and now he is uh, trying to get an office in, in politics. And uh, what an amazing conversation! What an amazing man! Uh, I'm very grateful for being able to have the the conversation with him, and just his perspectives on his own career, uh, what drove him to the success that that he got to, his personal standards, also how he tried to impart those standards and his values and beliefs into his into his sons, uh, who uh, by all accounts have been very professional athletes on their own accord. And, um, and yeah, it was really great. We talked about, what do we talk about? We talked about competition, uh, quite a long conversation about competition, what his household was like as a father figure, uh, and what, what that looked like for Jordan and for Ryan growing up, and how he tried to institute competition as being really a foundational piece of what it meant uh, to be a Reeve. And, uh, and so, yeah, we talked about that. We talk about uh, personal standards. We talk about... 
a reaction, like how, how we are able to control our reaction and, and whether that be on the field of play or whether that be in the field of life, that how we respond to things uh, matters. And that is within our personal agency, within our autonomy. Uh, and we can give people power or we can take uh, power away from people just in how we choose to respond uh, to them and, and to scenarios. Uh, it, it was a really awesome, awesome conversation. Um, like I said, an hour here with with somebody who is who has been driven essentially his entire life, uh, has a personal philosophy about excellence that he tries to live up to every day. Uh, definitely tries to impart that into his sons and 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 to uplift the members of of his community. And uh, and we have a good conversation about about color and and the responsibility of of somebody like Ryan or himself in positions of influence um, to. To have a platform, you know, and and to and to speak up for injustice when it is so called for, uh, and and have a good honest conversation about that too. So this is a, this is a really cool cool discussion. Uh, the father, the parent of an NHL player, uh, and one who is very accomplished himself in his own in his own sports career uh, and in his own life. So without further ado, I bring you Mr. Willard Reeves. All right. Well, here we are. At the Up My Hockey podcast with an ex-professional football player for the first time, Mr. Willard Reeves. Thanks for joining us today, Willard. Hello, Jace. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. All the way from Winnipeg, um, yeah. you decided to stay in the land where you won the most outstanding uh, player award for the CFL. Was that where? Uh, was that your first introduction to Winnipeg, uh, playing there? Actually, the first introduction I had was in Edmonton. I got... Uh... Uh, I went there for preseason and I got traded here to Winnipeg um, back in 1983. And uh, yeah, this was uh, this was the first shock in terms of my professional career that I had. Uh, no, no, take that back. Second shock because it's so darn cold here. Um, the first was at Green Bay, Wisconsin when I was with the Packers. Right. Well, yeah, those are both uh, pretty temperate, uh, pretty frigid climates, I, I, I should say. Well, you think Winnipeg, so Winnipeg's colder than Edmonton in, in, in your experience? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, there is, there's no doubt in my mind that Winnipeg is colder than any place on the planet, including the Arctic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But you, uh, what, what, what led you to stay? You know what? Um, what truly led me to stay is the fact is that, you know, I wanted something different uh, in my life, you know, keep going back, you know, yeah, I was going back to be a police officer, but um, something else uh, drew me closer to Winnipeg uh, in Manitoba, of course, uh, than where I was in the beginning, you know, which was Flagstaff, Arizona. I think Winnipeg had more to offer and, um, you know, I just took a chance and, went for it you know both beat in <laughs> yeah wild yeah. so born an american citizen born an american citizen born in flagstaff arizona right uh, born and raised and went all my schooling there grade school junior high high school and college right there in my hometown only about uh um maybe 10 or 15 uh, miles from my my actual home wow that's wild yeah. so then was it football then that brought you to canada Yes, it was. Uh, football brought me to Canada, and uh, and it's weird because we would we would talk about we would talk about so many things about football and this and that. I didn't want to come and play. <laughs> I didn't. It was the chief of police of Flagstaff Police Department at the time that told me to uh, 
if you want to uh if you want to see what's going on in your life you know give it a chance because you can you can always come back and be a police officer right you can never go back and be uh a football player after you get uh, at a certain age so um i took the chance and yeah the rest is history <laughs> that's fantastic so yeah just um I mean, as you probably know, I mean, my hockey is, is about the journey of hockey. And I, I definitely yes. want to talk about your perspective of raising Ryan and, you know, athletes. But I think it's a super interesting perspective because you're a professional athlete yourself, you know. So Correct. that was part of your DNA. Uh, and just for my own curiosity, so coming out of Flagstaff, being a university player there, uh, was the doors not open to the NFL at that time? Uh, and that was why it was like kind of CFL or nothing at that point? No, I hadn't. No, no. Actually, uh, the CFL and the NFL, that matter, had nothing to do with me coming up. You know, I, uh, you know, like I said, went to high school there. Was a very, was a very good, out, uh, outstanding athlete. I was a first team All American in high school, and uh, and I always wanted to be a lumberjack. And the lumberjacks were right there in my hometown, so I went there uh, with under the uh, guidance of um, Joe Salem and uh, and uh, uh, Dwayne Painter. And, um, you know, had some great, great years uh, with Northern Arizona. And it just so happened I was doing really good at it. And other teams wanted to uh, try and, uh, you know, get me on their team and uh, see where it can go from there. But I personally didn't truly want to come play professional football. Gotcha. So you were more drawn to the, to the police force? I was more drawn to the police force than anything else. Yes. Interesting. So then uh, how in the heck did it, like, to, like, that seems like a huge departure, right? From not wanting to play football, wanting to be a police officer, to actually jumping a border to go to Edmonton of all places yeah. um, to give your, try your hand at the CFL. Yeah. Well, they had, uh, um, actually during my high school years and my university years, they had a person from Edmonton actually scouting me. Um, one of their top scouts uh, in Edmonton at the time was actually scouting me from high school and to university. And when uh, my my uh, eligibility days were, are done, was done at uh, Northern Arizona, um, they knew, you know, for some reason, you know, I'm going to go to the National Football League, which which wasn't on my radar whatsoever. Uh, just happened to get on my radar three weeks after I uh, that uh, I left university, uh, getting ready to go to Tucson Galena uh, for the police academy there. And uh, I was doing a ride along uh, with a friend of mine named Paul Wilkins, who's a uh, who was a sergeant with the, uh, the police department. And uh, um we got uh, a call on the radio and says, number one wants to talk to Willard. <laughs> I said, okay. And so Paul looks at me and says, what did you do? I said, I have no idea what I did, right? So he, he brought me into the office and uh, he simply said, look, um, you know, you did very well here, right? You made uh, Northern Arizona proud you know you need uh, your high school uh, your university very proud of you what you've done your accomplishments right we would like to see how far you can go why don't you just go give it a try you know you know it won't hurt you know go give it a try if you don't like it you have uh, the opportunity to come back here and be a police officer you know but you need to try something that uh, you know pretty much he's telling me to get out of my uh, get out of my comfort zone and you know get out of the box and um, go try something different. Right. And that's what I did. And like I say, the rest is history. 
That's awesome. That's really cool. So uh, <clears throat> motivation from a superior there to let you know and probably saw something in you that he maybe wished he had in himself or an opportunity and said, you know, hey, go give it a whirl. Let's uh, go swing for the fences. That's cool. Yeah. yeah well, um, the police off, well, the police department, uh, people in the police department, the fire department and stuff like that, they always came to our games. We always had um, a number of police officers, uh, off-duty police officers. Uh, Definitely a chief uh, coming out to uh, Coconino High School, uh, watching me play there. And uh, and then, of course, going to Northern Arizona, where we had a huge following of uh, law enforcement and uh, firefighters uh, in the community that uh, went to watch because um, a local boy playing in, uh, playing in the uh, their local university there and doing very well at it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of people pushing me toward uh, professional sports, actually. Yes. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, first thing that strikes me as interesting is you said you got traded from Edmonton, and then, it, it, I mean, I'm not super educated on, on your career, but just, just briefly reading it, like you had mm -hmm. such an outstanding career with, with Winnipeg. Like how, It seems like such a blue-chip prospect with, you know, winning the best player in the league. How, how did you get traded so early? What would, do you know what well, happened with that? Well, what happened there? You remember, uh, I don't know if you, uh, they had, uh, Edmonton was going through that spurt where they won five Grey Cups in a row, right? That the Warren Moon era? That's the Warren Moon era, exactly. Right. And, um, 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 who's it? Uh, Picatello was the head coach of the Edmonton uh, uh, Eskimos. Now he was a new head coach, and actually Picatello was my running back coach with the Green Bay Packers um, okay. a year before. And uh, you know, they did not want to change uh, the dynamics of their team at that time because they pretty much had the same players. You know, winning those straight five uh, Great Cups straight in a row, and right. uh, um, so. They had a guy named Jim Germany there. They didn't want to trade him. You know, he was up there. I mean, he was around 30-something years old. Uh, didn't want to do that. And so what they decided to do, they decided to send me and another running back named Scott Stotch to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And uh, the one person that they didn't want, they sent him back to Edmonton, right? So fortunately, I guess, if you look at it in, in that terms, uh, I was fortunate enough to be... Uh, that I landed here in Winnipeg. I was not going anywhere, as they told me, right? And they sent Scott back to uh, Edmonton. And uh, right. like I say, the rest is history on that because uh, I've had some very good years here. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Not to mention the Great Cup in 1984. And yes. uh, like I said, the Most Outstanding Player Award. I, I briefly saw there you were the number one uh, rushing in a single season for for, uh, for Winnipeg for a while. And then Nims yes. got you just by a hair there so, to put yeah. you in second place. Uh, but yeah, what a fantastic uh, Canadian career. And then I also saw that you got some games uh, or a game or two in the NFL. Can I did. Maybe speak to that. Like what, was that a, was that a pinnacle for you or was the Grey Cup more of a pinnacle for you? Or, or how does that rank for you personally? I think what was more of a pinnacle for me was the fact is when I retired. <laughs> You know, from uh, from professional sports, um, I had a contract on the table with uh, Miami at the time, but uh, chose not to uh, uh, exercise that that option to uh, continue to play. And um, subsequently, after um, uh, a few games and whatever, um, I was released uh, from Miami, and uh, you know that was fine with me. Uh, so, because, uh, you know, Ryan was born, my wife was pregnant at the time with the, my youngest boy, Jordan. And um, 
you know, I wanted to get back and really establish myself uh, where I was going to lay roots there, and that was here. And so um, took a year off and decided what I was going to do and uh, joined the uh, joined Manitoba Sheriffs. I became a, sh a sergeant with the Sheriff's Department here in Manitoba. And uh, I've, I was there for 18 years, and then I moved over to uh, uh, the Maintenance Enforcement Program for three years, and then um, I uh, resigned then after that. Right. Awesome. So you kind of left on your own terms. Obviously, it sounds like, you know, you made it to the NFL, which is, is the big show, you know, yeah. for uh, as far as uh, anyone is concerned with football and, yeah. and, uh, and walked away and <clears throat> walked away um, without any regrets. None, no, no regrets at all. I, I think probably the happiest time I was in, in thinking about this is when I, I finally retired. Why do you think that is? Because I wanted to do something else. My ambitions was to do other things, things that I, when I grew up, what I wanted to be. I wanted to be in law enforcement. I wanted to serve the community. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be that, uh, pretty much that crutch for people, you know, who's who's down and out to, to, to hold on to, you know, and, and say, look, you know, there's, there's a possibility that uh, I can actually make it through this. And, uh, you know, you know, the most gratifying thing is to talk to people and to, uh, you know, try to help them, try to point them in different directions and stuff. And uh, sure enough, you know, um, it was very successful at that. Awesome. Well, good yeah. for you. I'm glad you found found the passion. Well, you, you mean, there's no way you didn't have a passion for football, though, and being able to do what it is you're able to accomplish. I know the amount of work that goes in being a professional hockey player, and yes. I'm sure it was the same side on as being a, a running back. So um, it, 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 we're pulled we're pulled sometimes, though, right? Because we're when mm -hmm. we're interested or passionate about about a multitude of things, uh, we can't do them all at the same time. So right. Uh, you know, it sounds like from your, you know, from the mentor there down in Flagstaff, you know, to say, hey, give it a whirl. And you're right. I mean, with the body, yes. you, can only, you can only be a football player for so long. And, and Exactly. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah. So then you did that at the time. And I can kind of relate to that a little bit, too, because I played I played hockey till I was 30. OK. And definitely had more in the tank that I could have done more. But at that point, like just where I was in my career and things that right. were happening for me personally, it, just the passion wasn't there to, to do it anymore, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I was really interested in school and I was interested in other things outside right. of uh, hockey. And I was like, you know what, now's my time. That was good. I had a great 10 year career and you know, off, off I go. So I can kind of relate to that too. Sometimes the passion changes, right? Yeah. I agree with the, you know, in terms of the passion. I mean, when I was playing, the passion was always there. Me, I always had to be the best right at what i knew okay in my position i needed to be the best right and it's not not something you know you know i got a big head about it and stuff like this i just wanted to make sure that when i'm out there i'm getting my all for the team itself right i'm more of a i'm more of a team player never ever being an individual player and um and you know you find out that um you have a lot of people uh that uh think they are uh the uh you know, the big guys or whatever, or the big show, you know, everybody's coming out to see you or something like that. I was never like that. And every time I crossed a player that, that was like that, um, I put them in their place real quick. <laughs> Good for you. So, I mean, yeah. with what I do with athletes too, I mean, what you're just talking about there is a mindset around like a personal belief or a yes. personal set of standards or, uh, you know, just a system, right, of how you go about your business. So what, what did that mean to you about being the best? Like, what was what was involved in that for Willard Reeves? 
preparation. You know, you get in, you prepare yourself. Uh, you know what you have to do. You uh, you study film. You um, and well, during the off season, you worked hard. You 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 know, you're working out. You're you're running. You're doing all the things that you know that you you're going to use uh, when when the game is on. And um, and just being dedicated to that uh, to that that particular area. Um, just to make sure that you are in the best shape that you can possibly be in, right? And you're mentally prepared to do what is asked you to do by your coach, by your team, right? And uh, I got that. And I um, um, I excelled in, in a lot of areas, uh, even with the Packers. You know, when I first got there, you know, they had this one guy named John Anderson who, who won all their – uh, preseason competitions, you know, amongst the players and stuff. So when I got there, um, I tore them up. <laughs> I actually, actually went up and at that time, uh, I won a, a thousand dollar, uh, voucher to go anywhere, uh, that, uh, uh, an airline flew and stuff like that. So, um, it just shows that, uh, you know, when you're out there and you're preparing yourself to be the best, okay, you you have that mindset. And when you have that mindset, you're helping other players. You're helping your team be that much better. Yeah, I 100% agree because that example needs to be there. Yes. You know? And it's uh, – I think it's a really interesting conversation because, like, what you're saying there is, yes, so the preparation and, and you know, your attention to detail and your commitment to excellence yes. – has to be superior. But there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to stand up in line behind you and think that their commitment is the same. Or, you know, I I don't know. I don't know how to really phrase that. But, like, when we're talking about, like, degrees of difference, right, especially at the professional level, you have to have a personal standard that's even above theirs, right? Like, how do you think that you showed up a little differently and, and, and how did that example affect those around you? My work ethics. Okay. Um, when we're at practice, for instance, right? Sometimes, you know, you see a running back, he'll get the ball, you know, and you're just practicing against your, uh, against your defense, you know, and it's, and it's thud. You know, when we talk about thud, when you hit the player, you hold him and then let him go, right? Well, mine was hitting a hole as hard as I can, even in practice, right? And not just running for maybe 10 yards then stop and then turn around, come back and throw the ball to the center, I ran 40 yards full speed every single time, time I had the ball. Even if, even if I was tackled or taken to the ground, I would get up and I would take off for 40 yards. I always did that, right? And and it showed on the football field, right? I always had this, this thought pattern where there's a guy right there, there's a linebacker there. I need to get 10 yards in, um, behind him, right? As he's coming at me, right, no matter what it is. I'm going to hit him or he's going to miss me, but I'm going to get 10 yards beyond him. And, um, and that was, uh, that was my work ethics, right? right? I always went beyond where I should have stopped. Right. So where I should have stopped is where they wanted me to stop at. Right. Where I wanted to stop was beyond that. So I always went beyond, uh, where, uh, um, I should have been stopped at. That's fantastic. So where did that, where did that decision come from? Cause I, I speak in terms of decisions, right. And I love empowering athletes with the idea that we're, we're faced with a bunch of like choices every day, right. How we want to, like what time we want to get up, what we want to do when we get up, right. How we want to prepare, what's our intention when we come to practice, like all these things are, 
are are decisions that we can make that we are in control of. Yes. Uh, you made a decision there at some point that you were going to operate this way. Do, do you remember why that why that was or where that came from? You remember Bobby Knight? Yep. Okay. Basketball coach in uh, was it Indiana? Yep. Yeah, Indiana. He came to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and he he did something to us. It was it was amazing. As a matter of fact, when uh, when I go to speaking engagements uh, to this very day, I use it. Um, what what happens? Uh, Bobby would put a glass of water on a table, right, and he goes to the other side of the room, and uh, as he's starting to talk and whatever, he's telling people, you know, you know, you want to get beyond uh, as to where. People want you to stop at, but you want to get beyond to where you want to be. So he just did a simple little test there. He he got our fastest guy, uh, either either myself or Fred Nixon. So Fred went right because he was the uh, veteran in the in the room. So uh, he, uh, Bobby asked him to go get that water for him. So he went over, you know, walked over, just pranced over, got the water, walked back and put the and gave Bobby the water. He said, oh, that, that was pretty good. You know, thank you very much, Mr. Nixon. So Bobby reached in his pocket and pulled out 500 crisp uh, $100 bills. He said, now I'm going to do something uh, do something for you again. There's another glass of water on the other side there. He said, now, if you can get that water and get right back here, bring it right back to me before I say 10, I'm going to give you this $500. Well, Fred knowing who he is and he said i don't care if you spill it okay just get that cup back to me here all right but at least have at least a drop of water so fred got that glass and fred took off he said when i tell you to go you go when he said go fred took off like a bat out of hell i don't care if it was anybody's in front of him or anything right he grabbed that glass and he come running back there and before he got to that mark bobby said 10. all right didn't make it right but there was a huge lesson in that, and this is something that I, um, I held, I hold on even to this very day. What it meant was there was something there. There was nothing there for him to go after, right? So he went, got the glass, brought it back to him. That glass was full. So when there was something there, five hundred dollars. Now Chris, five hundred dollar bills there, right? He told him, okay, get there and bring it back here before I say. Uh, um, you know, before I said, that's it. Right. So like I said, he took off, he came back, he spilled that water there. And before he got there, he said, time, that's what it was. And the lesson was, if there's something out there that you want, you're going to go balls out to get it right. No matter who's in your way, right. You do it respectfully, but you will go out there because this is where you need to get. When you came back and when I said, uh, time, right. You stopped on my time. And uh, he said, yeah. I said, but you don't stop on my time. You don't stop what, what, where another person will tell you, this is, this, is, this is the end of the road for you. This is where you stop, right? You go beyond that. You want to go beyond that. And he said, you know what? And as you do that in life itself, along the way, you got that glass. And as you see, if you turn around, from time to time, you'll see droplets in the water, the droplets on the ground, you know, where you spill. Some of the things that you might have to do, do it differently. How would you get, how would you get there, right? And in the end, when you decided to stop, he said, you look in that glass and maybe it's halfway full, something like this. You got something to drink about and you're thirsty and you keep going for more. 
and that's that has stayed with me all this time and i use that and uh and i use it uh for myself as well i still i'm still doing that to this very day although i'm not playing playing professional sports or anything like that um i'm still trying to um be a service to the people that uh that has helped me along the way as well right so the things that they taught me along my journey growing up you know as a youth and as a young adult and as a professional sport uh, in professional sports you know as a public servant you know i am a lifetime public servant because i have a message i have a uh, i have ideas um that will help people uh get through some of the uh some of their troubled things there and that's who i am the extra 40 yards the extra 40 yards exactly i love it so I want to take a short break from my discussion with Willard Reeves to remind you that if anything from today's conversation, you know, sparks some interest or intrigue with you uh, as a parent, as a hockey parent, or as a player yourself, if you're listening, uh, things like resiliency, things like personal agency and autonomy and, and the ability to raise personal standards, if any of those things uh, pique your interest that, hmm, maybe this can help me. Maybe this is something that's going to get more out of me or more out of my son or daughter. Uh, this is exactly the type of discussions that they need to have and the types of tools and strategies that they need to develop to allow them to become the best player and person that they can be. By all means, check out Up My Hockey. Uh, it's what I believe in. It's what I'm passionate about, uh, empowering athletes to be their best, to take control of their own path and of their own journey. And, um, and yeah, it's something that really fires me up and it's something that, uh, that the program and, and, and the mentorship and the coaching has, has, has proven to offer great results. So if, uh, if you are curious, by all means, do the next step, which is upmyhockey.com. You can check out services. You can see what I'm about. You can see what the philosophy is uh, to be an up my hockey player. And, uh, and yeah, maybe there's a good fit there. If mindset training is something that you've never explored before, it is something that I highly recommend you do. Uh, it just goes without saying in this day and age that there is so much to be gained uh, from a personal development standpoint, from a professional uh, high performance standpoint, uh, that if you aren't thinking about it, um, you're probably missing out. And it's a great com competitive advantage. And it's something that's gonna be allow you to walk around uh, in your own skin and, and just operate different in the world around you. So by all means, uh, check out upmyhockey.com. Uh, would love to uh, have you fill out a form uh, that is available on the website there on the Peak Potential Pro Project to see if it is a good fit for you and if, uh, and if mindset coaching uh, would, would benefit you. So by all means, take the next steps. And, uh, and if you're a hockey parent out there, uh, please join my Facebook group. Uh, if you are on Facebook, it's called the Up My Hockey Parent Group. It's free to join. It's a fantastic community with over 2,000 people uh, involved in it now. Uh, very engaged group, very passionate group, lots of opinions, lots of support, uh, lots of great discussions. And, uh, and that's what it's about is really trying to create uh, a better place uh, around this great game of ours called hockey. You know, uh, uh, we're, all, we're all going through this together. We're trying to provide the best experience for our sons and daughters to allow them to get the most they can from this game. And we shouldn't be doing it by ourselves as there's a lot to be gained from the community. So Up My Hockey is that community. I'm very proud of it. And uh, yeah, please join us there. Uh, now let's get back to the conversation with Willard Reeves. That's a great model for life. And that's the thing I love about sports and about what sports can do. And, and this idea of, of seeking peak potential or your highest performance is that yes. it's completely translatable anywhere. 
Mm-hmm. It is, and that's uh, and that's and that's very true to any anything you might want to apply for. Not to mention the fact that now you got into the police force, and like I, I know from the hockey world, as 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 you know with Ryan, like there's so many players that leave the team of hockey and then they go into firefighting or they go into the police force because there is that still sense of team, uh, and uh, and there's that sense of understanding what it's like to be in a locker room, how to fight for each other, you know, how to stand up for each other, um, to be a team player. And then you, you add on to that, the idea of the individual high performance tactics. And, uh, it's a perfect, it's a perfect fit, you know, in a lot of yeah. ways for, for, for what you decided to do. I agree. Um, how did you go about uh, like transferring your, your own personal ideals and, and, you know, what your standards were into, into your sons. I'm sure that was something that was important to you to try and have them have that same type of uh, drive and, and personal uh, accountability. You know, with both my boys, I coached them. I, I showed them how to play the game. If I didn't know how to do such as hockey and whatever, I got them the best coaches, right? And the only thing that was required um, that, I, that I made sure that uh, my boys understood is you start playing a sport uh, for that year or that summer or whatever it is, you can't quit. There's, there's no, there, there's no thing in our vocabulary whatsoever that you will quit. If you don't like the sport, guess what? You're going to be the best that you can possibly be, but you're not going to quit. Is it maybe after the end of the season, okay, you don't want to play that sport next year. That's fine. But if you're signed up for a sport, we paid for it, which we had no problem doing you're going to finish it and you're going to be the best that you possibly can do. So uh, Ryan with his, uh, with this hockey, with this football, I mean, the city actually changed um, rules because of my boys, right? We sometimes going, got them going both ways and stuff like this. And, you know, it was just a, it's a bloodbath. You, you look at it, but um, um, I made sure my boys did what they can do and they did it right. They did it uh, with with integrity, sportsmanship. If I ever saw them trying to hurt someone because they, uh, cause they got mad or something like this, I would bench them. I would sit them down, right? I would mm-hmm. tell them, don't you ever do that again. You do it legally, you do it fairly, right? But you do it um, with the tenacity that uh, that you're gonna learn from, that you're gonna, you can apply in your everyday life. You don't play another uh, down in football or hockey or whatever it is, right? You know what the drive needs to be, and you need to do that. And there's not, there's no guarantee that um, you're going to be successful, right? But you're going to give it your all. And that's the key. Give it your all, right? And some things just might happen, and that's what that's what it was with my boys. The um, are you familiar with the book uh, called Grit by Angela Duckworth? I've heard of, but I've never read it. Uh, one of the things she's really great book. Uh, one of the things that she speaks about uh, is is the ability to continue on, right? And as a parent, uh, t- to your point, like one of the biggest determiners of of success, uh, according to according to her and and her research, is is this the ability to continue, right? To continue on and to not quit, right? So uh, when you, when you talk about being a parent and when it comes to sports or picking up a, an instrument or whatever the thing is that uh, I think she said like not even just one season you need to commit to, but you need to commit to it for two years, 
at least. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yes. so just so that they get that idea of what it means to have a commitment to get to fight through. And, and like, that's the biggest determiner of success. So, I mean, really awesome that you uh, that you had that uh, decision because sometimes mm -hmm. it's too easy, right? It's too easy to, to have something come up. It's too easy to have a coach make you upset or it's too easy just to be able to turn your back and walk the other direction when things yeah. get uh, a little bit hard. And we all know that to be really great at anything, whether it be a police officer or a football player, that uh, – you got to fight through some of those things. Yeah. Right? Well, I made it. I made it difficult for my kids when uh, when growing up, especially in sports. Right, uh, we would go outside and we were playing basketball, or we we're in the basement. Uh, They're playing football. The touchdown is the couch behind me. Right, I never let them win. I don't care how big I was and how small they were. I was not going to let them win. Right. And they say, "Well, Dad, you got to let me." I said, "No, no, because if you, if I let you do it, you're going to expect everybody to let you do something." No, you need to. You have to. Uh, you have to earn it, all right. And and you can see that in both my boys. You know, trying to get onto that couch and whatever, and I wouldn't let them get them. I'll get them and I'll throw them back. Or uh, going down a hallway. Um, um, you know, who's going to go through the hallway first, right? You know, this whole out ever how wide the hallway was, we can both we can pass each other. And that's not not a problem. Mine is, boom, we hit right. I push them back, right push them away and then I just go that's the competition we had competition I don't care what it was and like I say with basketball Jordan was very good at basketball Ryan was too you know but Jordan was a true basketball player you know I would slap the ball back you know and I'll make him go get it right I said uh, the day you slap my ball back you know you know that means you graduated right at 14 years old he did just that right he slapped mine back and he went clear across the street, way down the, down the street, across the street. And I went and got it and I walked back and uh, I gave him the ball and I said, okay, you graduated. I'm not playing with you no more. And that was a long walk. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I would never let my kids beat me in anything. Okay. That's just what it was. You know, I needed them to compete even with their father, even they, even when I knew that they cannot beat me. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, the final time when Ryan finally uh, scored a touchdown on that couch, he jumped right over me and only broke my shoulder off. <laughs> so it was, um, is a, is a lesson. I think, uh, you know, I didn't see, I didn't have a father to actually do that with me. Right. I mean, I had to take cues from uh, watching sports on television and watching some of their best players and how they, uh, intertwine with, uh, uh, with their game and how tough they were, you know, and, you know, I came out with, you know, with Errol Campbell running and for sportsmanship, Bart Starr, you know, for the Green Bay Packers, right? I, you know, it was so neat because I so admired Bart Starr so much. Um, I had other offers to go to uh, Seattle and New York and all those other places, right? I went to Green Bay because Bart Starr was my uh sports hero right you know got even got to coach uh, got to play with him yes it's fantastic mm -hmm. i love that about competition so means you're obviously a fan of competition you believe oh, big time. you believe people need it they need it they need it they need to, they need to know where they are where they uh what needs to be worked on and the best way to do that is competition you know with people who are better than you are and uh, that you think are better than you are you want to get better, you you know, you have to work for it. And that's what, what I happens did. if you fail, Willie. You get back up and you do it again. You just keep going at it. You're gonna get better at it. 
if you don't get, you know, after a certain amount of time, if you're still in stuck in the same spot or whatever, you know, go a different direction. Plain and simple, right? Sometimes, you know, you, uh, sometimes, you know, your, your ability to do something is, uh, is, uh, you've reached that pinnacle, right? And once you reach that pinnacle, you have to decide, you know, do I continue to go? Am I competing? Well, am I doing really well with the team while I compete at this level? Can I continue to um, help that teammate or help the team to win or whatever? You know, am I a hindrance, right? Mm-hmm. You'll know that. And like with me, when I, uh, um, uh, when I left football, I knew I could have, you know, contribute more and more to uh, whatever team I was on, right? Um, just didn't have a desire because I wanted to go somewhere else. I wanted to do something else. Compete. Do you think it's something that can be developed and and or taught then? You can always teach it. It all depends on how you teach it. You know, as, as a father, I felt that uh, uh, not being um, taught by my father um how to compete, you know, I had to compete with uh, kids in my neighborhood, uh, on the playground, uh, in organized sports, uh, both in uh, grade school, junior high, high school, and in university level. You compete every single day. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, you're competing, you know, who's going to run the fastest, you know, who's going to hit the hardest, right? Who's can make, who's, who can make a difference, um, uh, in a game, okay, or a difference in someone's life. That's what it is. Life is also competing, right? Because you want you want to bring out the best in everybody uh, that you meet. So in terms of competing, you know, you want to challenge them to do uh, do better than what you've done, right? And that's, that's how I look at it. That, uh, someone says, no, I want to be like you. I said, no, you don't want to be like me. You need to be better than me, right? I'll try to help you get there, right? For you to be better than me because, you know, the different uh, technologies and all this other stuff, how you work out, you know, your diets and things of this nature, right? Plays a big part in it, right? So yeah. uh, you compete, okay, you compete to win, right? I love that. Uh, I think you'll love the fact that my spring hockey teams, I got a spring hockey program uh, for, I, I I do first year peewee, second year peewee, and I'm also doing a development program. But the name I gave them is the Up My Hockey Compete or UMH yeah, Compete. Okay. called the Compete. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, anyways, like the logos, two bulls c- colliding, right? Like with with their heads. And uh, I don't, I just, I, I'm really passionate about, about competition. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that one, it, it fires me up. Like it's something that I always enjoyed personally, um, inside and outside of sports. And, and for me, and I don't know if, if you agree with this or not, but I, I kind of see it being removed like from school and from society. And it's almost like it's a bit shunned right now. And, and for me, it's, it, it gives me kind of an awful feeling. And I want these kids to feel like they can compete and that they should compete. And it's valuable to compete. And, and also understand that their own personal agency within that, they can control, right? Like how much yes. they want it, right? How much they want to battle. Uh, do you see that right now? Like, do you see it kind of being removed from the, from the system a little bit? Well, it's being removed from the system because of the fact, you know, you're talking about, uh, in, well, in football, you're talking about the concussion protocol. Uh, you see that stuff. People are worried about people getting hurt, right? And because of that, they start taking things, you know, taking things back, you know, trying to, what, what I want to say, uh, um, um, twinkle toe uh, through, uh, through the... Uh, 
well, tiptoe through competition, right? So to speak, you know, don't touch me, you know, but uh, let's have competition here. You know, let's see who can hit the person the softest, right? So, yeah, you see a difference from from the time we grew up and and being in some type of, you know, being in type of competition, you know, because we wanted to strive, we wanted to be the best, right? Especially for a person who lived in the project, you know, you know, am I going to always be in this particular uh, spot, all right? You know, no. You know, I have to do something. So when I talk about, um, um, you know, public service, you know, helping people and stuff like that, this is to lift them. Okay. You want to lift as many people as you possibly can, you know, out of where they are. Right. And if you can do that just by um, talking to them, you know, working out with them, you know, working with them, coaching them of that nature, you know, that's that's the part you want to do but in this day and age yes you know there's a lot of the a lot of the so-called competition is being taken out of and being very light lightly type competition where nobody's gonna break a fingernail you know? yeah well and and like i mean it's even outside of sports but i see it i mean in school like i don't know what it's like in in manitoba but like there's no letter grades up until like grade 10 now mm-hmm. um like they've taken the competition out of academics uh the you know they don't keep score in some scenarios in sports especially right. in school right like everyone's a winner mentality and i don't know like i think we've i think the pendulum swung way too far the other the other direction um Again, just for me. I mean, I love competition. I think to to your point, it's it's how you find out where you're at. It's how you find yes. out where you're weak. It's how you find out how you can prove. That's um, correct. And and when and when you and I think it also really lowers expectations and standards. It's it's okay then to just be okay. And you'll see my mug here, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't wake up to be mediocre. <laughs> there you go. I agree with that. You that, know what I mean? Is... I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I own that. I mean, I'm not. Maybe I'm not going to accomplish it every day, but that's my mindset. My yeah. mindset is that I want to improve. I want to be better, and not necessarily better than somebody else per se, but I want to be mm-hmm. better than I was yesterday. Right. You know, you want to improve every time you go out and do something. You want to see improvement, right? And uh, when you get to the point where you're not improving, as a matter of fact, you're declining, you know, then it's time to do something else. You know, it's yeah. time to get out. I agree with you in terms of what uh, uh, um, what the thought pattern is now. You know, they've taken pretty much other competition away. You know, you know, if we talk about school type of things, right, um, you know, do your grades really define who you are? Absolutely not. It doesn't. Right. Some people are, are stronger in, in certain areas. You know, I was strong in math. Right. Um, you know, you know, in history, you know, others may not be as strong in that. Right. But it shouldn't define you. And the fact of the matter is what's going on in our society is, um, you know, we have a different type of competition. Right. That competition, of course, is who can make the most money and step on the necks of uh, those as they do that, which is uh, which is ridiculous. Right. I mean, I think with with the way things going that are going um, in society right now, you know, if we help lift up as many people as we can, you know, you know, you start eliminating a lot of problems. Right. You know, people are people start thinking themselves, you know, yes, I am worth I can do something. I can really get this thing done, you know, and thank you for your help and stuff like this. So they take that they'll take that 
that life lesson that you give them, whatever, and try to uh, expand on it. Don't allow someone to tell you when to stop, right? You decide when you're going to stop. That's right. That's right. How do you balance? And this is one thing that I have, because I have, I would call them very competitive sons myself. So, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a few years behind you. So they're, uh, you know, 13, 12 and 10 right now. Right. Uh, so close in age, all, all hockey players, all athletes and all really competitive, which I love, you mean, uh, from the, you know, as, as we, as we've heard here in the conversation, mm-hmm. but sometimes not the most sportsmanship is going right. on, right? Or sometimes they're not reacting to losses quite how you would like, you know, and, and I understand there's an emotional maturity that's going to come with age and everything else. Yes. But that for me is the balance. Cause yes, I want respectful athletes. Yes. I want them to understand what sportsmanship is, but I don't want to take the competitiveness out of them either. Right. And it's a really hard, tough balance when you are competitive. You know, I think, you know, when, when your sons lose, okay, like um, we lost some games, you know, um, when they lose, you know, I sat back and just see what their reactions were, right? And, and their reactions were exactly what I was hoping to see in them, you know, that, you know, we'll get it next time, you know, we need to work a little bit harder than what we did, you know, we make some mistakes, right? They're not putting it out on, uh, on someone, they're not blaming someone, right? They're looking at it and say, okay, what did I do on this? Okay, although I'm the, uh, as, as Ryan or Jordan put it, you know, okay, I was probably the best player on the team there. What did, what didn't I do um, to get that W or whatever we lost, right? You know, they'll take, sometimes they'll take it personally on them and say, okay, you know, if that's on me, that's on me, okay? But I guarantee we won't do this. This won't happen next time if we play these guys, right? So that lifts other players up and say, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what happened the last time. Let's make sure it doesn't happen again, right? And if it happens again, you know, they, you know, simply say, we got to get better, right? We have to do this. And uh, um, there's nothing wrong with losing. You have to lose before you start winning. And people don't, people don't realize that in this day and age, you know, if you're not winning, you're, you're destroying your, uh, your big uh, 80 inch television set, you know, because your team didn't win or because you didn't win or something like that. You know, it's, um, you know, learn to lose, right. You know, it's, it's a way of life. You know, everything is not going to be successful for you. Right. You know, when you start losing and when you do get that win, you know, you feel it, you know, you feel that win. you want another one and another one. Right. But as you get going, you know, from time to time again, you're going to lose. Right. Yeah. But you, when you lose, you also win because yeah. you learn from it. No, I agree. Yeah. The, the, and I sometimes think parents, especially in this day and age of, you know, this version of the helicopter parents and, you know, always well-intended. I, I really do believe that, that it's, it's coming from a, the right spot, but just kind of with the wrong result and they manufacture success for their athletes, right? Like yes. they don't want them to feel the pain or they don't want them to fall down and skin their knee. And, and if something does happen, then they're the ones trying to come in and fix it. And I think that's with what I do now with some of the athletes that I work with, as far as like resilience and, you know, low confidence and these types of things, like, I think it's a lot of it just because they've been disempowered. Like they've never yeah. had the opportunity to try and figure it out, you know? And um, do you, do you, do you agree with that? That like, as I, far from a parenting standpoint of like, you know, let them 
let them go let them figure it out let them yeah exactly and that's and and that's the way it is i mean you you always want to be there to pick them up you know if they fall or 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 there's a crisis going on in their uh in their in their lives or something like this you always want to be there to lend the ear you know you hope that they can sit down and figure it out on their own okay and how to navigate it but if they can't navigate it they always have you to come back on to ask questions okay how did you this did you ever did this ever happen to you of course and this is what i did right you know you might have to go in a different way but uh just make sure you never take a step backwards you always move forward just take just keep moving forward on that you know you'll get past it you'll learn what uh what you need to do you know how to navigate uh through uh certain crises and and that's how my boys have always been you know especially my youngest so it's good that's awesome were they uh was there some blood baths at your house between the two of them growing up being as competitive as they are um, in terms of the competitiveness, you know, me, I put them, to, I put them against each other. That's exactly what I did. And, and in the end, the results of it was the fact is that my youngest was better than either myself or Ryan in sports, right? Jordan played professional uh, football. He played professional basketball, um, was a heck of a lacrosse player. And believe it or not, he was a better hockey player than Ryan was. So he took all the good parts of us and just left all the bad stuff, you know, we had whatever, and he made his own. So um, that's the way he was, right? We were good in certain sports. You know, I was good in basketball. I was good in football. I was very good in baseball. And um, Ryan, of course, was good in hockey and football. And Jordan, well, like I said, you know, whatever sport he wanted to play, he was good at. He was very good at because he got it from him, got it from his brother and his dad. I uh, I read something there about Ryan just before our interview that he, well, and you mentioned it earlier too, that that uh, Winnipeg maybe changed some rules about their multi-sport thing we just didn't really get into. But I, I read there that Ryan hurt his knee, uh, which yep. which uh, didn't disable them from from playing football, at least as competitively as maybe as he once was. If that injury didn't occur, do you, do you think he'd be – He'd be on the uh, gridiron right now, or, or do you think hockey was always his thing? I think I think he would have been. I think he would have been on a gridiron had he not hurt his knee. Really? Yeah, but I think that by him hurting his knee, there was uh, there was divine intervention because uh, you have to be at the right place at the right time somewhere for something to happen to you, no matter how good you are, right? If you're thinking you're the best athlete in the world and everybody's telling you that, right, and you start believing it, you're not going to make it. I can tell you that right now. You're not going to make it, right? Never let someone tell you how good you are. You need to let yourself know how good you are by your work ethics, you know, by your by your team ethics, by your thoughts, you know, how you prepare. All of that, okay, will give you that opportunity to be just that much farther ahead. From the standpoint of him being having that option removed, um, and I don't know what at what age that happened. Uh, I'll just give you my my philosophy on the whole multi-sport conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Like the people specialize so young now, and I, I think it's to their detriment. Uh, and we're seeing the first generation of hockey players that have kind of come up 
uh, with that mentality and that and that parental philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's more injuries. I think there's there's a lot of things that that I, my personal opinion is is coming from from early specialization. Right. Uh, but there is a time where you have to specialize too. Like, don't get me wrong. Do, do you think that that helped Ryan in that sense? Like to take that, remove that option. Now he was just all in on hockey. I think so. I think, uh, um, you know, because we gave him that option in the beginning with, uh, with his mom and I, we didn't push him to one sport or another. You know, like I said, you, you're going to play the sport. The only rule that we had, you just couldn't quit plain and simple. And you had to, you had to be really good at it. How about uh, effort, Willard? I just want to jump in there because you never mentioned it. Yeah, I know it's important for you, but was that another uh, criteria for, for you and your boys? It came, you know, it, it it came naturally from my boys, you know, because the competition that we had that we instilled in each other, right? Being uh, being number one, you know, going down the hallway, just going down a hallway or just, you know, me and Ryan, Jordan, what, what we do when we're young, right? We put our foreheads together, right? And we'll push against each other. You know your little symbol that you have in your uh, in your um, up my hockey with the two guys there colliding or something like that, like you said. That's what we did with our foreheads, each other, you know, pushing, <laughs> see who would quit first. This is what I'm talking about in terms of the competition. You know, the effort itself, okay, was instilled with the fact is that you can't quit, right? And that was pretty much an automatic thing for us. We're not going to quit. We're going to be the best. I'm getting, I'm getting down that hallway. You know, I'm going to push you aside, right? When they got older, they start pushing me aside. You know, all the things that I did to them when they were young kids, they were doing to me now. Yeah. And that's the best part for a dad. It is the the best part of it. You know, we went on a father son trip, uh, uh, to uh, San Jose and, uh, and, and we're going, me and Ryan went for an interview, uh, by the swimming pool or whatever we we did the interview and as we're walking you know just me thinking about uh what i did to my kids um as they're growing up it hit me right then and there as i'm walking i was on the uh inside of ryan the swim pool was right there and all of a sudden for some reason i just stopped right and i backed up right and he was just turning around to push me into the swimming pool <laughs> <laughs> so I know what I did <laughs> with my kids, right? You know, I would get them, and yeah, they'd be walking. They got their clothes on, whatever. I just look at them, ah, splash, you know, throw yeah. them in the water. They're screaming, yelling, and stuff like this. What do you do that for? So, you know, they'll get out of the pool, and I say, yeah, yeah, here's a towel. Let's go, right? <laughs> I knew he was about to throw me into the water. <laughs> That's awesome. One more short break from the podcast to do my usual um, – encouragement to share the podcast or to review the podcast. Uh, love those of you who have been with me for, uh, for a while now. And this is, if this is more than episode one, uh, you should be in the review section saying, yes, this is a five-star podcast. This is something that has provided value to me. And this is something that somebody else would want to listen to. And that's what your review does. It allows people uh, to get exposed to the podcast that might otherwise not be. So please, if this is more than episode one, and if you are on a device that allows, uh, or a platform that allows you to review, please do it. Or, or just press the share button in your uh, 
in your app listening a platform of choice and uh, and share an episode that you like with uh, with your social media community and that would be enough to just say hey this is an endorsement for me this is something that i think you will enjoy and find value in and then who knows maybe one or two listeners come on and and maybe we can make a difference for somebody else out there so thanks again for joining us thanks again for those of you who have already reviewed and thanks for being actively engaged in the up my hockey community now until uh now let's get back to the conversation with uh, willard reeves I, I think some parents, and again, not it's all about parenting advice, but like that that thing of not quitting, that thing of effort. Like I think we get too caught up in the goals and the assists, and the you know, did you make the right play? And I mean, exactly. all that kind of stuff is exactly. like just simplify it. And if you can get that right early, right, that this is just the way that you show up from a from an approach side and from an attitude side, like the rest really starts to take care of itself, in my opinion. Exactly, you know, and and you like I said, you know the. Uh, the effort part of it was simply automatic. You didn't have to talk about the effort, right? Because the effort is pretty much was you're not quitting. With yeah. my boys, I mean, uh, the thought of um, of quitting was not in their vocabulary after uh, after a certain amount of time. And and to be the best meant that that effort had to be there. Okay, getting yeah. better and better every single time. You know, it, it's going to be a different play, different time, whatever. But the effort is automatic it had to be there it has to be balls out and nothing else that's awesome right when it comes to ryan and i don't i don't just because obviously i'm, I'm in i'm in the hockey world and i'm not in the football world so i can speak more to ryan and and uh and the impact he's had not only uh, you know on the teams he's played on but just in the league as a whole he, he's become he's become quite a a spokesperson you know for hockey and especially exactly. as a player of color and uh and i'm sure you're super proud as a dad i i just wanted you to just maybe speak to his uh his ability to be an individual you know and his ability to to have an opinion and his ability to be that guy in the locker room that he seems to be that brings people together you know yeah. and and is a bit of a glue guy can you speak to ryan and, and where and where that comes from you know i mean uh definitely comes from uh his mom and dad all right um you speak up um, when you see things are wrong, me being, of course, in law enforcement, you know, I had to do that a lot. Um, um, you know, my kids have seen me uh, in restaurants um, when someone is being yelled at by uh, um, either their spouse or something like this, you know, making a scene or something like this. Yeah, dad's getting up and, uh, and going to say something, right? You never, ever uh, should ever be afraid to speak up for what is right. And that's how I've been all my life, right? My uh, my mom, my stepfather, um, my brothers, you know, uh, people that I grew up with, um, teachers, uh, coaches, um, professors, all these people who've come into my life at some point in time has always said, you know, regardless of what's going on in society, regardless, you should always speak up when you see things that are wrong. And I think that's is probably what has has pulled me into uh, the fact that, uh, um, you know, I need to speak up. It's just like with my boys, you know, there's something wrong, you know, you know, when we're talking about uh, George Floyd and these things like this. Yeah. Okay. He is on the big stage, you know, so he has a bigger microphone than a lot of other people, right? Why not speak up? Why not say what it is that's on his mind? If it's wrong, he's going to speak up. My Both my boys would do the same thing. You know, my daughters do the same thing. So um, um, I'm not surprised, okay, about uh, how my boys have 
have spoken up when they see things are wrong, when, uh, um, you know, when society is at, uh, at each other's throat about the, the color of your skin and this and that and whatever, right? You know, you know, you don't react to a lot of things, right? But you react when things are wrong. You react to it and you react to it in a positive way. You don't join the haters, you know, you simply join the people who's looking for a solution. And that's what that's what uh, that's what my boys were all about, right? And that's what their dad is all about, you know. Let's find a solution. Let's work together, right? right. Never working individually. And of course, that team concept, the effort that you must uh, give uh, every day, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, on or off the ice, or on or off the football field, or wherever you want to be, right? That effort applies both ways. You have to do things positive and you have to work together. If you don't work together in anything, you know, never get resolved. I think the power of the internal understanding of who you are is it, it, that's a whole nother conversation that we could spend an hour on. But yeah. that is something that I try and instill with the, with the players that I'm working with is like to really understand who you are. So then it is easier to have those you have your voice be heard in those moments, right? Yes. Because there is a confidence about that, that you have to have, right? That yes. yes, my opinion does matter. Yes. I'm clear on who I am and it's okay for me to say X, Y, or Z, right? Exactly. In a locker room and yeah. you know the same thing in a football dressing room, like there's a lot of personalities there and there's a lot of social pressure to be kind of a certain way. Mm -hmm. And, and what I try and, and trumpet and try and, and try and talk to the, the players about is that, you are perfect as you are, and that, in, and yes. that is makes, yes. makes you valuable. If you're trying to be somebody else, one, you're being inauthentic to who you are, and two, you're mm -hmm. not going to play as well that's because correct. you're trying to pretend, right? So um, that's a harder message to get across. So then it may sound here just in the out minute that I took it. Like how mm -hmm. how did you go about like empowering your your boys or maybe some of the the, the people you mentor into? into owning their voice and understanding the value within it. And then that value also translates to their high performance. It goes back to what Bobby Knight said, right? Don't have someone stop you. Okay. I told you time right there. You stopped. You didn't win, right? No, that's not defining you. You go beyond that. Okay. If I said time right there, who cares? You know, I'm still going, right? A hundred right. miles an hour, right? I have to find who I am. Once I find out who I am, right, I can spew it out to people said, no, you know, you don't want to be like me. You want to be better than me. You want to find your niche. You want to make sure you are who you are. Don't be somebody that some of us want you to be. You need to be yourself because if you're, if yourself, if you're being yourself, you will do more good for yourself and maybe your, uh, your community. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, and like I said, that's, that's what it's all about with me and my boys. Um, we're public servants, so to speak. You know, like I said, you know, we've had uh, we had a microphone that we can speak to uh, injustice. We had a microphone where we can speak to raising awareness to certain things. Right? Don't be afraid to speak up. You know, yeah. you stumble through it. Okay, you'll get there, but you'll get your message across as well. And that's what it's all about. As a for, for Ryan, and, and I don't mean to have you speak for him, but it may be as yourself, but for Ryan as a professional athlete and a player of color, is it a fair, is it a fair responsibility uh, that maybe he has or, or, or feels that, that he, 
that he should have about being that example and about being a voice and about being, you know, a beacon of inclusion or whatever, whatever it is the platform is. Do you, do you think that that's okay? That that sometimes we're we're expecting more in scenarios like that. Well, I think if you look at it on a on a in the whole scheme of things, why does the color of one skin have to determine uh, uh, how they speak or or what they're doing? Um, what I think is the fact is if we can just take away people looking at the color of someone's skin or who they are or this or that and whatever and just be human beings, just being human, right? That would be key to because if you don't see color, you don't, you know, you have other things you can think about, right? But unfortunately, society is looking at color and how many people are playing this game. I mean, you look back and I'm just watching the um, uh, Glory Road. I don't know if you ever heard of Glory Road. It's a basketball uh, guys back in 1963, Texas uh, Western. Um, no, um, is it Texas Western? Uh, Texas Western. Um, um, the coach decided to play uh, all Negro players uh, in the national championship against Kentucky, right? Back in those days, what they said, you know, home games, you only have one black person on the field. Away games, you have two black people playing. And if someone's in um, um, in um, foul trouble or they fouled out, you know, you'll have three, just only away games, right? Instead, uh, this coach, he decided he's going to start five black Negro players, okay, in this national championship game, two subs. The two subs um, were also black. The white people, I mean, the white uh, players didn't play, right? He wouldn't put them in. Yeah. Texas uh, Texas Western won the national championship, beat Kentucky. So it's good. Uh-huh. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's, uh, um, it, it, it showed where um, where society is, their thinking. And like I said, unfortunately, you know, you know, judging on the person's skin or his nationality or something like this, you know, they can either comment about it or uh, they'll just tiptoe around it until something happens, right? Mm -hmm. We need to get beyond that. We need to get beyond um, the fact is that uh, <laughs> it's, it's nothing. It, it shouldn't be nothing. We always look for something to to complain about when we shouldn't do that. Even in sports, right? You're going to complain about something that's going on in society? Yeah. Okay. I mean, we got the George Floyd, you know, and we got the Breonna Taylors. Um, you know, that is something to speak up about. Okay. You know, injustice in any way. I don't care what color you are. You know, speaking up for injustice is is a good thing uh, to society itself. But when you match, when you start putting, um, and I can't say races against each other because there's only one one race, it's the human race. You know, we just happen to see a little colors, you know, and that, you know, black and white and this and that. It, it doesn't comply. It shouldn't ever comply. If we can get beyond that, <laughs> you know, can you imagine just how peaceful and how wonderful this uh, society would be if we can do that, right? Even in sports, right? Yeah. Players don't have to... Um, speak up for things that are uh that are bothering them because society has put uh, uh a tag on it you know right black you know was this right was this wrong right so uh, it's what we're doing yeah 
Yeah. With your experience, uh, I think the conversations matter uh, for sure, right? It's, yeah. and, and I think good, honest conversations uh, are super beneficial. Not that we have to solve every problem, but I think just being able to to discuss them matters. And and hockey's been under a little bit of a spotlight, and generally mostly negatively. It yeah. seems like you know lately with stuff that's going on, and and you know the inclusivity, and you mentioned how many players are playing, and this and that and the other, and. And it's a headline, you know, every time something bad happens. And I think that's unfortunate because I, I do believe that, of course, the sport and sport in general and society in general needs to improve and we need to change and, and we need to evolve. But I think for the most part, like this, it's a pretty good ecosystem right now. Um, yeah. But I am a white player in a predominantly white neighborhood you know, mm -hmm. in a predominantly white, white province um, and in a predominantly white sport. So I, I'm right. not seeing it through the lens that, that I'm sure others do and, and, and are able to experience it with you growing up with your boys and playing hockey in Winnipeg. Was there anything that, like, is there any experiences that you felt you shouldn't have had or would like to have changed or anything that Ryan had to overcome himself on the way up just strictly because of the color of his skin, in your opinion? Of course, there's, uh, I mean, when he's uh, playing AAA hockey, there's, uh, um, I guess my kids were just completely uh, destroying this one hockey team. And uh, um, one of the fathers who were so entrenched with the fact is that um, uh, our team was doing whatever and Ryan was just going just actually crazy um, playing, um, um, said, uh, he said the N-word, plain and simple, right? My son didn't hear it, and that's a good thing he didn't hear it, right? So basically what I did, I just walked over to talk to the guy, and everyone thought I was going to go and just bash his head in for what he said, right? And that's not me, right? You know, you know, for me uh, to sit there and want to pop somebody across the head or something like that, you had to do something extremely, extremely bad to say it. But you know what? The name calling is not one of them. All right. So I just went over there and, and just just educated him. You know, said, you know, that's not uh that's not welcome uh in this this area. And you're getting frustrated about it, you're in too deep, you need to stay away, you know, plain and simple. And uh I said, Look, you can't be saying that, you know, because I don't want my boy to hear that. If you if my boy hears that, you know, then we will have an issue, right? We won't have a physical issue, but we will have an issue with you ever coming into arena to uh um uh, watch your own son play so i would ask that you uh just 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 keep your mouth shut all right and of course their their parents on that team all agreed with the fact is you know and he's always been like that but i guess after a little while and stuff like that he calmed down and stuff you know um there's always education in everything in every in every situation that uh that we we see right there's always education you can educate that person um you can tell them how it make you feel or something like this me growing up i always heard it i always heard the the n word and you know, as a matter of fact in high school my nickname was black <laughs> really yeah 10 blacks in the whole school my nickname was black right but no one messed with me right and and no one no one crossed that uh, that threshold of uh, of doing something that they shouldn't be doing. You know, I yeah, sure, I I heard the the N word a, a lot of times, right? But uh, it's all depends on how I react to it, right? Okay, and that was the key. It all depends on how I react on it, and I didn't react on it. I didn't, right? 
and a lot of my friends actually saw that. And in terms of uh, from grade ten till my senior year, I had I had more respect of, of pretty much that whole community. Um, you know, going into uh, you know going to a uh, a family's house who were from Texas who was heck bent hell bent on um, not being friends uh, <laughs> with uh, African Americans, right? I was their first African-American friend, first one ever sat at their table and actually eat supper with them, right? Um, you have to get to know people, you know, you just can't do it because you're being taught this is what it's all about, you know, get out there and, and learn and teach yourself, okay, about certain individuals, you know, don't take anybody's opinion about how this person is, you know, you know. You know, like I said, you know, there's always solutions to, to problems that uh, very simple solutions, right? right? You just need to apply it in a very positive way and not go negative. I like you talking about that idea of uh, of what it means to you, yeah. right? Uh, and, I th and I think that there's, there's lots of bridges that can come from that. You mean adversity for one, like what does that adversity mean to you? Is this something that you're going right. to try and find a way through around over? Does that mean that the wall's there and now we have to turn around and go the other direction? And I, uh, and I think with the words, and this is uh, again, just a, a discussion, but with, with the, the sensitivity training and, and all the things that are happening now and like how words are really told that we were told that they matter and they do matter. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure not saying do. that they don't matter. They do matter. But I think with, with what the uh, education has been about th that now, I think the words actually have more power than they did before. Yes, they do. Do you agree yeah. with that? Yeah. Because like, I agree like with when, that. When that yeah. word comes now, it's like, holy, people don't know what to do with it. I'm not saying right. the N word, but I'm saying any other type of word, right? You get yeah. a pronoun wrong or, or you say the wrong thing at the wrong time or, you know, and then everyone is, is like, and I'm like, and I think that we're kind of taking away the power in some ways of the people with the words. And I don't know, again, like there's gotta be a happy medium there. And I don't know, what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, in terms of, in terms of a happy medium, if you, if you want to get to the happy medium, it's like I told you, you know, you have to educate, educate that person, right? There's nothing wrong with talking. There's nothing wrong with telling the person how you feel or what, how that person made you feel, right? You just have to just speak up, right? Remember a lot of people, um, are probably not as strong as you and I uh, in expressing themselves uh, in a way like um, uh, you made me feel this way, you said this and whatever. Me, personally, I just laugh and whatever. I just look at and say, are you all right? Do you want a hug or something like that? I would do that, right? That's how you break the ice on things and you talk about people. I have more friends who've used that N-word with me um, until we actually talked about it. Right. Um, you know, I don't know how they they would use it with other people, you know, but with me and how I felt, because I told them how I felt about it and whatever. I don't uh, I said, you can call me that uh, anytime you want. But as long as we're not in public or something like this, you know, or you and I just goofing around and stuff, you know, I don't care. Right. Because it doesn't that's it's not me. I know who I am. Right. And by you calling um me the n-word well that's not my name and stuff like that you know if that's not, if you're trying to feel good about it you know well feel good about yourself but understand this is how you're going to make this is how it made me feel right and this is how i'm telling you how it is right but you need to be careful because how i'm telling you this that other person over there probably won't do it you'll probably end up in a fight so you're not going to end up in a fight with me because of that right um 
And like I said, um, you're talking about thick skin. You know, it's not so much as thick skin is being in control of what you know and who you are. And I know who I am, and that's what it is. And just like with my boys, they know who they are, right? Uh, you can say whatever you want, whatever, but as long as you're not uh, uh, calling the name, whatever, and then starting to pop them or something like this, you know, you're fine. You're completely safe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think the, 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 I just like empowering people, right? So I don't, yeah. I don't want anyone to ever feel like a victim, you know, in regards to anything, whether the color of their skin or, or mm -hmm. a hockey player or a basketball player or a librarian, it doesn't matter to me. I just want people to feel like they're in control of what is yes. going on around them, right? And one of those things is, to your point, is like how you are, cho how you choose to respond to whatever yes. that is. So, um, yeah, for anyone out there, you know, just recognize that it is your own story too, right? You can tell that whatever you want it to tell it and you can connect mm -hmm. the dots there however you want. And if anyone, feel, if you feel like anyone's taking away power from you uh, at any point in time, they can't do that. No, right. Exactly. You know, people saying they're taking my, din my, my, my dignity away. No, <laughs> you, know, you control your own dignity right no one can take that away from you you can't give your dignity to somebody else okay just can't do it you hold on to that dignity right yeah. it's how you respond and that's and i and i tell a lot of high school kids that stuff i said it's how you respond to things i i went to a school and did a speech engagement uh, one time because they were having problems fighting people you know there's the um the uh the racial dynamics in terms of uh you know you know white black you know hispanic and stuff like that um uh, it was pretty even pretty much and uh actually it's one of the first schools i've i've gone to where where um no one race or no one single color was dominating that of another right yes. and so um i just you know you just simply say you know it's how you react this is this is the problem you know what you do after hearing something or someone doing something to you what you do that next time that is going to be that's going to define you in that way of how you react to things right mm -hmm. you know don't react to certain things you know who you are you know who you are then bingo right just uh just go with that right you know who you are don't allow someone to make you feel um otherwise you know what? I love that. I think that's a great spot to end. I know that you, you have places to go and I really appreciate your time and, uh, and yeah, what an awesome conversation. I know yeah. you're proud of your boys. You oh, I am be proud of your career and, and what you're doing there to help people. So thank you for doing what you do and thank you for sharing some of your messages with us and my audience today. And, uh, Thanks, I couldn't be uh, more grateful that you, that you chose to spend some time here. That was very good. I, I thank you very much. All right. Thank you so much for being here today with me and with Willard uh, to hear that conversation as uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It's uh, it's as much fun as it is for me to reconnect with old teammates or people that I know in the past and to see where they're at and discuss their journey. Uh, that is super inspiring. It's uh, a different level when you talking to somebody for the first time that I've never spoken to before uh, and and to find out about them and about their journey and, and to uh, and to just be immersed in what that ecosystem was like as a, as a Ryan or Jordan Reeve going up uh, with 
an outstanding player running back uh, in Willard Reeves being the father figure there and Willard without a father of his own to have that example growing up uh, to now try and provide that for, for his sons. I, I really enjoyed that conversation. I, I love the, uh, the subject matter that we got to and uh, we seem to be aligned on a lot of fronts there. Uh, competition for me is, is something that should be treasured and it's something that should be valued and encouraged. Uh, again, these are my own personal that's my own personal value system. I'm, I'm not trying to tell any of you out there that the, your value system should be different. Um, but for me, I do believe that it is something that just lives in all of us. I think it's something that should be nurtured. I think it's something that should be encouraged. And I think it's something that just provides value. And that's where we get this idea of confidence from, of, of self-worth. When we, when we prove to ourselves that we can be better and that we can improve and sometimes we can beat somebody else, uh, that's okay. You I mean, not only is it okay, I think it's actually a phenomenal human trait. Um, and again, if you want to be a competitive hockey player and if you have big dreams of, uh, of taking competitive hockey to, to a level of getting paid for it or of getting your school paid for it, um, it is one of your biggest competitive advantages available to you. Because the surrounding environment with competition is being taken away, as Willard and I both agreed to today. So if you can find um, anything that's going to grow your level of compete, that is going to grow your level of competition, where you can raise your personal standards around that, um, hey, it just increases your chances, plain and simple. And I do believe that it's something that can be taught. I do believe it's something that can be grown. I do believe that there's decisions involved in it. Un like some other people who think that this is either a have or a have not type of thing. If you want to apply your intention to anything and competition and your competitive spirit being one of them, you can change it. Sometimes you have to realign um, your mindset about it, what, what it means to be competitive, what it means for you to be in competitive in certain areas, the story that you tell yourself, like Willard and I discussed um, early earlier, like how, how uh, what the meaning of the narrative is all this can be can be reprogrammed um but we can definitely show up differently and for parents out there with young children and a few value sports and athletics i highly encourage you to keep that be as one of your non-negotiables that when they go out on the ice they work their tails off and they compete hard or they compete hard on the pitch for soccer or they compete hard on the volleyball court that they that you place an immense amount of value on how much they compete and uh and good things are going to happen plain and simple it brings the best out in people uh as we already talked about it does it can bring out the worst sometimes especially the younger ages when our emotional um you know quotient isn't quite where it needs to be but we can definitely teach that too you know you can definitely teach sportsmanship you can definitely teach um you know uh character uh, around that but competition needs to be a cornerstone uh in my opinion so thank you very much willard thanks for being here till the end and uh until next time play hard and keep your head up